You're listening to the USCA official podcast, which takes you behind the scenes of eventing, covering all the big events, professional tips and tricks, interviews, special guests, and the latest USCA eventing news. Welcome to the USCA official podcast and listeners, we have got a very special bonus show for you because we wanted to talk a little bit more about a really, really exciting new program that was launched back in 2022, all about helping to develop stars of the future. And it is, of course, the USCA Emerging Athlete 21 program, which is a huge initiative and has been created uh, as a real driving force by a huge number of people within the sport and within the USCA who really want to help develop those younger riders, give them a pathway, and hopefully while improving horsemanship, riding, all those skills along the way, are going to be creating some of the team players of the future. So to tell us a little bit more about the programme, I am delighted to say, first of all, welcome to the show, uh, Director of Coaching, David O'Connor. Thank you. Yeah, it's good to be here. Thanks for having us. It is very, very good to have you back. And the regional coaches, because obviously huge, huge geographical area to cover across the US. Um, there are five regional coaches in total. Uh, Beck Breitling, Rebecca Brown, Emily Bashir, and I'm delighted to say on the show with us, Shannon Lilly. Very good to have you with us. Thank you so much. I'm happy to be here. Um, We're looking forward to hearing a little bit more about the programme because it's a new initiative and it's garnered a huge amount of interest uh, across the country. I think the aims of it are really important. So, David, first of all, give us a bit of background. Where did the idea come from and how has this programme come about in the first place? I think it's it's been a conversation over the last four or five years uh, and really kind of taken this long to get it going, coming out of... uh, the programs that were available. Um, the USEF has programs for more of the elite riders, you know, under 25s um, and developing. They've changed their pathway program a little bit. And we felt like at the at the lower levels um, that or that under 21 was a group that was missing from an educational point of view. And so um, and not just from a competitive point of view. You know, we had Young Rider program that that is getting rebuilt here. Young Rider Championships is getting rebuilt here in the in the United States as it went down for a while. Um, and so it was about, you know, we feel like there was a void and there was a conversation with a lot of people um, within the USEA about trying to put a program together to try to fill this void. And so then over the over the last couple of years, we really talked about, all right, so how do you create a, even more of a pathway? So a pathway that would start with, you know, young teenagers that were um, interested in having, and do they have a place to go that is formalized within the area? And then then looking at it like well, from a national level, taking that area and have them select four or five kids out of their area um, that are the best that they have and send them and have a regional concept. And so... We picked uh, four coaches, um, of which Shannon was great, and she did one of their in on the East Coast, uh, and trying to send the coaches to places where they actually don't teach in their area. So you're looking at new people. That was one of the ideas. Um, so then the regional camps uh, would come, and then 
these guys without a selection committee, which I think was really important. There was a selection group out of the areas that picked the kids that come into the regional camps. And then the coaches themselves were the selection process for who would get to a national camp. And that national camp um, was going to be for a five-day period, um, ended up with me here in Ocala, Florida, um, you know, bouncing around dates. We found out that really the New Year's week is the best week for that with school and all that. Um, and so what started out as a group of uh, maybe got a little bigger than what we were expecting, which is good. Um, so we ended up with 19 guys. There were 19 kids that came um, and all of them were good. I mean, I, the coaches, the, the, so the program worked because all the, all the people that were there, young adults that were there, they were, they were good. They were talented. Um, they had aspects. There was an, and nobody was an outlier. And then, so you can really get into um, the theoretical stuff. So one of the things that we keep talking about in this country is, and trying to learn from it's how, and we don't pay enough attention to is how do sports get taught um, as other sports? I mean, how do you learn baseball? How do you learn soccer? How do you, so there's kids programs and a lot of those are school programs, uh, which is great. You know, so, and the school programs are quite specific, you know, as you go through, Middle school, when you go up into high school, when you go into college programs, those those other sports are very, very specific about the skill sets that you learn all the way. And so you're really trying into this uh, situation where there's not a school system, and you, but you still can create that same thing. So learning the theory and the techniques early, proper techniques and theory early, has got to help them, whether they end up in writing or not, right? Whether they're going to end up riding on a team um, or which, you know, if, if you got one or two of them dead, you're going to be on a successful, um, but also with other aspects, because we know a lot of them are going to not ride. I mean, they're going to go through the college days and they're going to stop riding and then they come back, you know, 20 years later, they come back and start again as they have businesses and stuff like that. So um, lives, families. And so they're getting that message across the whole country about the really the established um, techniques and theory that is out there um, that the world uses, I think is beneficial for hearing, having them hearing that early, um, having them practice that early, and that's going to only benefit them as they go through their whatever part of their lives, or if they go up into the team level that they've heard it before instead of hearing it for the first time there. Yeah, I think that's a really interesting point, actually. And, it, and it's a a really good way of looking at it because actually a couple of these riders perhaps might go on to pursue um, team ambitions. You know, a few of them might go on to to compete in other areas. Some of them might be the USA volunteers of the future um, and be sure. giving back. Or just professionals, or just professionals, right? I mean, professionals that have businesses that are, you know, helping other adults and kids and all that kind of stuff enjoy the sport. So, you know, because the high performance side, it's a very small side in the end. But the professional side is a big, huge, important segment of the industry that hopefully through the coaching program and this and things like that, that we can raise that level and consistency and standardize a little bit the concepts, not the not the individual techniques, but the concepts um, all the way through the through the process like other countries do. 
So how was the um, sort of reception, Shannon? When when the programme launched, how did it work regionally? And, and how did you, first of all, whittle it down to those original applications, to those that got invited to the regional camps? Rebecca Brown had a pivotal role in this portion of it. So she is one of the national um, young rider coordinators, and she worked with all the area coordinators. And as it was our first year, we were still working through the application process and how to streamline it. And she did a fantastic job contacting all of the area coordinators and getting all the pertinent information to be able to make the selections. And then, so they, so they whittled it down the area coordinators and their selection committees for each of the areas whittled it down to a certain amount of people. And then we could take, you know, there were, there was, I think it was, what, seven from each area was where it started. And then we took then four. I mean, it, it ended up being so, so she did a lot of the legwork there. I mean, hours and hours of her life went into that. And so we were very appreciative of that. And we learned a lot through that process. So they, the application process this year will be a bit different. And so, um, but it really fell on the area coordinators to, to find the right kids that would fit the program. And that's what David had talked about in the beginning where we, we wanted this, when this program shifted to being a USCA program, we wanted the young rider program to be a big part of it. And so that is where it all starts is these young riders are part of their own area program. And then they hopefully will earn their way on to these squads that get into the regional camp. And then from there on to the national camp. So what sort of level are the the applicants what kind of level are the people invited first of all into the regional what are you looking for in the perfect candidate well they have to be riding at the training level but a lot of them the, the ones that i had being at morvin park i was the east one of the east coast instructors a lot of them were riding actually at the three-star level at least at the two-star level but most of them were at the three-star level yeah i would have to say that for the national camp too the level was higher level than that yeah but the application states they have to be riding at least at the training level. And that's so that you, get, so you don't miss the hotshot kid, right? So if somebody sees the hotshot kid, um, that they can get on there um, and be part of the program, you know, even quite young, just because they were, um, you know, they, people that the, the right type of personality and would say that it wasn't all the, the application process is not fully all competition based. You know, it's not just who's winning in the area. Um, a lot about it is, you know, effort and um, talent spotting, um, interest, uh, learning, the, the desire to learn um, and all of those things that go in. So it's not just you might have somebody that's actually not uh, seriously competitive because of the horse that they're on. But, you know, oh, wait, that's a kid. And and they could get on that way um though they their horse might not be the you know the best at that point that was actually one of the questions i was going to ask was it purely results based or was there a bigger picture and actually absolutely bigger picture so talk me through shannon the the five regional training camps and then we'll go on to the national camp there were there were five two on the east coast one centrally two on the west coast i think i said at the beginning five coaches but i think rebecca brown i counted her twice but i think she deserves it so um, that's absolutely fine um how long were those camps and what what did they involve what did they look like so each one was set up basically the same way there are two days of riding um and 
and there were lectures. So ideally, the way it was set up is you do a lecture maybe the evening before. So you ride on a Monday and a Tuesday, then Sunday evening, you ride, the kids arrive with their horses and you do a lecture. And we did all of this is fundamental based. So so it's all based on on the concept as David described. And so we would do a dressage lecture and discuss the training scale and the fundamentals of dressage training and what that means and and how to achieve it and that sort of stuff. And then we would ride and they would do dressage lessons. And we, because David was nice, let us do two per lesson, um, teaching, I'll go into this later, but coaching in groups and, and doing these and implementing these fundamentals is something that coaches need to learn as well. Like I thought it was as much an education for myself as it was for the kids. Um, and so I think that, so then we did a show jumping lecture and then we did, and that was either the night, like we did a dinner with everybody and then ended, did a show jumping lecture, set up the course and the exercises and the courses that we'd be doing the next day. And then they would show jump. And then we finished by doing a wrap up and a bit of a cross country lecture to dis- discuss the fundamentals for that as well. And, and it was, it was two days. I think I would probably make it so the kids could arrive the day before so you could spread the lectures out. So it wasn't all in two days and it, and because it is a lot of information for them to take in, but it was fantastic. I mean, the questions and the amount of engagement that you got from this, these level of riders, even I was lucky enough that I had some fantastic riders and they all ride in good programs out in on the East coast with really good coaches. And so I had a really hard job in selecting them, but who, who I put forward for the national camp. But I also think that there were kids that came from different areas across the country that traveled to this camp and they were, they were just as hungry and just as good and they engaged and, and loved every minute of it. And I thought it was, it was great. And I, from all the other coaches, the feedback, cause we all talked after each camp and discussed things. Everyone had the same experience. I know Beck did and I know Rebecca did and Emily did. They all really enjoyed the process um, and thought the kids really enjoyed the process of it all. And it's, it's, is needed. Um, I think to be able to build the foundation of what we need in this country at that, that level in that age group. So how did it then go from the, the regional camp was last summer and the national camp was always planned to bring a, a small number from each of the regions together for five days of training. Um, first week of January, it was held um, at Sarah Kazumplix barn in, in Ocala in Florida. And so a real opportunity to get riders from all over the country to come together and have an opportunity. I'm going to say an opportunity of a lifetime because, I mean, to be taught by David O'Connor is pretty cool. (laughs) Um, And so many other brilliant people being involved. But that is an experience like plenty of these riders would not have had before. So how did you choose those riders and bring those forward to the camp, the national camp? Yeah, Shannon, how did you whittle that down? If it were up to David, we would have chosen 12. And each coach felt very, very strongly about that they needed more riders than less riders. (laughs) And so (laughs) we ended up, um, like I had, personally, I had a list of seven 
that I ranked. And David gave us advice before we did this whole thing. He said, rank them and take notes. I had pages upon pages of notes of <laughs> what I did. You, so of the you break writing. David with paperwork? He <laughs> 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 the essays and said, here's my argument. Take the words. So, so I had I had notes of how they, how they were in their lessons, how they were in the lectures, were they on time, how they were around the barn, leading, not leading, you know, all, like just all the things, just so I could remember. And then I ranked them all. And then each coach did that. We all talked about it and did that. And then we had a call with David and we actually had a couple calls and decided how are we going to structure this? And it originally, so we had five camps and he wanted no more than four riders. Well, three riders from each each one and we got basically five i mean three times five is still four four, yeah well i got bowled over over, so yeah yeah so So rebecca brown felt very strongly that she wanted more riders from the west Coast. that we all needed to be able to have at least four riders and it ended up being 19 total so it was four riders from each and then, with the exception of one, of uh, one of the camps, he only had three. So, um, next year we might have to do a better job of whittling it down. So we're at. 16. David will be sly <laughs> to your to your uh, tactics next year. Um, the ranking system will be harder, but I think that's an amazing indication. It's such a positive sign that actually. The, the first part of the program was absolutely doing what it needed to do. And there is so much talent out there. And actually to be able to give those young riders the opportunity is huge. Um, and I'm sure they all absolutely enjoyed it. And at this point, I'm going to say a massive shout out to our sponsors because Carrots really kindly sponsored the camp as a whole. Um, and the, everybody that attended got lots of, of really nice jackets and hats and everything else. Um, Ride IQ as well were also very, very supportive and gave lots of different content and subscriptions. And finally, We Ride Together, who... Um, helped with giving some different resources about keeping safe spaces in barns and different programs, but also very importantly, uh, supported the lunches on each day. And as we've just said, uh, a few more than we had perhaps originally anticipated. So we couldn't have done it without them. And we're very, very (laughs) grateful to them all. Um, So let's talk about the national camp then. First of all, logistics, uh, David, you're bringing together people from all over the country. So how did the five days come together? You know, it's modeled after something that I've done in the past, and um, everybody came in on the day before. Um, as I said, there were um, horses that were lent, uh, you know, Shannon, me, uh, Sarah, um, there were some others that were that lent some horses, and they were great, and it was perfect. And, you know, it kind of fits into that idea of about riding any horse, you know, so it's not about competitively just for, you know, getting ready for that next weekend. So. Um, Sarah was very uh, generous to donate farm that we were at, which was ended up being perfect. Um, so you ended up doing, you know, two days of dressage, two days of show, show jumping, and a day of cross country um, over the five days um, with lectures in the morning and at night. And then we had a couple of social things, uh, had a pizza party at our house, you know, with them and the parents and all that, you know, trying to get, because one of the things that I, I did right from the beginning, I took them all out, introduced themselves to each other. You know, so 19 young adults that have never, you know, they're not all hanging out with each other. Some of them know it because they're from their areas. And one of the things I said, you guys need to take a look around because you're going to see each other for a long time. 
you know, so if you're thinking about being in this sport, this is the group that you are going to see and you're going to start here. Um, and so the camaraderie right from the beginning was really, really high. Um, and the level of the riding was really, really high, and especially when they got into, you know, you're having to do group lessons. Um, so it wasn't more of an individual because you can't get really through as a single person. You can't get through 19 in a day from doing single lessons. So we did group lessons and dressage, everything, um, jumping, cross country. Um, everybody gets to watch and you're learning and you're, you know, keeping it at a level based on the what the that theory, the, the lecture in the morning was putting some concepts out there. And then you would go out and prove or work on those concepts in the in in the actual time, the lesson. Um, and so, and talk about communication, talk about theory, about how horses work, um, what the exercises mean, what they, what they do, um, anywhere from going to ring craft and show jumping, uh, talk about positions, you know, um, different paces for different lines that you're going to end up jumping. And so you're really taking it apart and breaking it apart and then trying to put it back together. So then on the last day, they did, let's say for show jumping, they did a show jumping course where they got to then jump it by themselves once and then with help on the second round um, after all of the things that we've talked about all week. Um, so, you know, it's a it's a it's a great way to kind of really, I would say, get from a you don't get A to Z, but you get A to M, um, you know, about this theoretical process and the technique of it um, like you would in any other sport and then applying it to the practice to the game you want to play. You know, and so this is the game that we want to play, and we play three games. So, um, how do you how do you specifically take it apart and put it back to how that game is played, so that the horse understands it and the rider is communicating with the way that he understands it? So, I think actually the the being able to watch your peers and learn from their lessons as well is just absolutely invaluable because you can have your own lesson and work on your own performance, but the amount you pick up when you're watching other people and problems they may encounter or challenges I should say that they may encounter and how they're dealt with um I think stands them in very very good stead for kind of putting away in their the mental locker um and and sort of storing for the future I think that's very important actually for riders because a lot of riders athletic outside actually there are a lot of they're more visual learners probably than the rest of it you have to have that visual learning and like that and be able to apply it onto a basis something that you've heard Right, which is really, really important so that when anywhere from terms to concepts and all that kind of stuff, they're, they're standard for a couple hundred years. They haven't really changed. And so having that then visual thing and applying it to that thing that is a basis underneath you. So when you go home, you can recreate it because if they, they can't go home and recreate it, then we actually haven't done our job. So what happens next? Because the national camp was a huge success. And, and I think at 19, very talented, and I'm sure um, very kind of empowered young individuals came out of it and sort of looking forward to the season ahead. So how do they, what happens next in terms of the program, David? Yeah, I, I think the big thing is that you kind of start tagging onto them. They have the phone number here that they can call whenever they want. But then you know, because you have the list of the people, you'll start following them, you know, competitively um, as what they're doing and how they're doing and all that kind of stuff. And they start the application process again. And then there's the summer camps again, you know, that hopefully that they would go in and then, you know, hopefully come into the the next uh, you know, the national camp. I guess the, you know, the question, do we have a lot of the ability right now to be able to keep reaching out and mentoring them um, 
while the season is going on. We don't really have that concept done yet or, or really, you know, the, the finances for the program behind it to be able to reach out there at that point. Again, the difficulty of that being such a big country. Right. But I think being able to reach out there into the in the summertime and find out, OK, where are you guys? You know, the ones that apply and come back. Where are you? Where, where are you from last year? Where are you? Know, what do you feel like that? It's not going to be just the same thing. Um, and then, you know, and then hopefully the next next national camp, you'll have the same thing. It's like, all right. So where, you know, what have you what have you applied? What have you used? And we'll be following them hopefully throughout the year and see where their where their careers are going. Because most of them, they're still in school. So, I mean, yeah. most, you know, they're, you know, most of them are all still in school. So they're, you know, they're not coming out to go work in, uh, in the middle of the country and can spend a month here. I mean, that, that can't happen. They're, they still have these other lives that they have to do. And so right now it's kind of mentoring and managing much more than it is sort of like, you're going to take over some. What like was the age range? What was the age range of the? 15, the 15 to 21. 15 to 21. See, that's a huge range, isn't it? I mean, some riders will be able to kind of get involved in the program for what, five, six years if they if they want to keep pursuing it and, and keep being part of it. Um, Shannon, now you've got a year under your belt. You've had a cycle, so to speak. Applications are going to start opening up for 2023. What would you love to see develop in a, in a you know ideal world? What would you love to see change for this year and, and bring to the table? Um, I, I honestly don't know that I would change a ton, except the way we, we maybe schedule some of the, the camps, like we actually will do them at a little bit different times, still in the summer for the regional camps, still, still in the summer. So they're not in school. Um, but just keeping the weather in mind and things like that. I think that we might tweak a little bit of that. Um, I think we, we definitely are streamlining the application process. So Rebecca doesn't have to work so hard. Um, and I think that's really important. And I think now all the area coordinators and their selectors are so much more aware of what needs to happen and how it needs to happen. And, and it'll be easier for them to be able to bring riders forward and where their role is. Cause I think a lot of last year's they didn't quite know what the role, their own role was. And now that, now they do. Um, and then that the riders have to take responsibility for themselves and make sure they're doing what they need to do to get noticed and on to the list for the regional camps. And then they, I think there's a level of expectation that maybe they didn't realize was is as high as it was of how they conduct themselves in all facets, right? Not just on the horse, but off the horse and volunteering and working in a program and showing their work ethic as well in and out of the saddle um, and attitude and being a team player and all those things. So I think what I really want to see is that the kids in this program are meet the, all of those, like have all of those qualities that it's not just about the riding, but it's about all, all of who they are so they can give back to the sport and help make the sport better someday and help, if they decide not to ride, help make whatever job they do that they're better in it and they make everything around them better. I think that that's, that they become that contributing member of society. I think that we are getting them at an age that they're, they're really, they have to learn all the things, right? They have to learn about being a good person and a competitor and adult and being a team player. But going forward, I know that since just talking to some of the riders, they will write their applications a little bit differently. Um, and, and I think the way the application is set up that they will know to do it a little bit differently. Um, 
and to cover things not that it's just results based. And then I, for our camps, I will structure it so it's spread out to more like two and a half days. So it's not so much information in two days. Um, and, and, but I'll, as far as the selection process goes, I'll keep it the same and I'll do it the same way I did the last time. And I think the other coaches probably will too, but they might structure it the same as me a little bit differently. Um, and I think one of the things that's important to note is this program is, is as much for these coaches that are doing the regional coaching camps or regional camps, um, as it is for the riders. Like I, you know, we discuss the curriculum, so to speak, that we would have for, for these camps, for all of, all of the coaches and that we're all on the same page and we're teaching the same concepts and, and a bit in the same way. Right. And so, um, it gives them a base of education to, to grow from and be able to take to whatever horse that they ride in the future. And, and I think coaches need to learn that. And I think there's a coaching curriculum that goes into this as well. That is that we are all lucky to have. And so it's made me better. Um, and having David sort of as a mentor in that regard has made me better. And I know it's helped with the other coaches as well. I'm working on a thing here in the USEF that these guys that maybe we could support, we would try to send them to some coaching seminars that are actually outside of the equestrian world with a group, um, this group called USCCA, which is Center for Coaching Excellence, which is broad-based, Olympic-based, um, and having these guys go into that, those type of environments and see how other sports do it, um, I think would be a huge thing for our next level of um, coaches to do it. So that's, uh, from a coaching point of view, that's something that I would yeah, I'm looking to promote also. So there's kind of a dual level going on here. I really love that actually. And it ties in really nicely with the last show we did listeners, which was all about coach development and um, kind of setting the standard. And I think that's a really important part, sort of point of making that the pathway is there for riders, but actually there needs to be a pathway for coaches as Absolutely. well in the future. Yeah. Um, and that is a really, really key point of uh, the success of not only good programs all over the country but of team success and future professional success and the list goes on so um making a massive massive difference and i think it is safe to say that the program even though it has only been running a year has been a big success and it is very exciting where it might go in the future david watch out i bet you any money they'll be pushing for 25 on that We've had a couple levels of conversations about how to do that, but we'll... Forewarned is forearmed, as they say. Um, uh, But look, we're very, very much looking forward to following the programme. And um, applications, I think I'm right in saying open March 1st? Yes. There or thereabouts, listeners. I thought they opened before that. We might be open before that. I mean, all I'll say, listeners, I put a, I put a, a date on it, but don't trust me. Go and check out the USCA website. <laughs> that will give you absolutely everything you need to know. The full criteria is on there. And I would say that actually listening to Shannon and David on this show, hopefully will have given you a good few bits of advice on what you should be putting on your application as well if you're involved. Uh, I'm sure there will be plenty of people here thinking, how can I go and forge a different birth certificate to make myself, you know, five, 10, 15 years younger, just so I can go and take advantage of this brilliant coaching on offer. Um, It's a brilliant program and we'll look forward to seeing where it goes in the future. 
David Shannon. Thank you both so much. Thank you for all you do and to everybody else involved because it's an enormous team effort. And uh, yeah, watch this space for 2023. Thanks for Thank having me. Thank you very much. Listeners, we hope you've enjoyed an insight into the Emerging Athlete 21 program and a special bonus show for you. We have got next week on the show uh, the Valentine special, the much awaited Valentine special. Um, and we'll look forward to being back with you very soon. But for now, that's goodbye from us. Thanks for listening to the USCA official podcast. If you have any suggestions or feedback, then we would love to hear from you. Get in touch through any of our social media platforms at US Eventing. And don't forget to subscribe on your preferred podcast platform to make sure you don't miss an episode.